Sportsnet 590, The Fan. to simplify his game. Yeah, today we had a very simple plan and uh, he, he failed to execute that so other guys had to take his place. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Tyler Bertuzzi skating for 11 minutes, 32 seconds. Hey, more than Pontus Holmberg's eight minutes. That was more than Ryan Reeves's seven minutes, 35 End of list. <laughs> Not Ty- a coach's pet after last night. No. Tyler Bertuzzi is making five and a half million bucks just for one year, but started the season next to Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. He finds himself, well, at least at the end of the hockey game, on the fourth line. Mm-hmm. Second game in a row. So against the Kings on Tuesday. He had two shifts in the third period, played a minute 19 mm-hmm. in the final 20 minutes. Yesterday, hey, he's improving. Three shifts yesterday for two minutes and 31 seconds. Um, It'll get to all the new guys in just a second, but the Tyler Pertuzzi of it all, for a team as capped out as the Leafs are, and everybody's capped out, but, you know, we're counting couch cushion pennies to to put together a blue line with Timothy Lilligren if he's unable to go on LTIR. It's like, you got no answers here. He's got to go on LTIR, especially with... Jake McCabe out mm-hmm. five and a half million dollars. It's a lot. Somebody who's not playing in your top nine is insane. It's nuts. It absolutely cannot happen. You know, I know everyone goes to Michael Bunting with Tyler Bertuzzi. Say what you will about Michael Bunting, but when he was getting demoted, he was doing it at 800K or 850K or whatever it was he made. That was a gamble that ended up paying off, but it was not really a gamble. They signed a guy to a two-year deal at 800K. If it didn't work out, he was going to play for the Marlies. It didn't stop them from doing anything else. Look at the names that were out there, and I'm not going to pretend it was a murderer's row among free agency, but Matt Duchesne looked pretty good for the Stars the other night at $3 bucks oh, on a one-year deal, uh, may I mention. And, hey, this helps sometimes, hurts sometimes. Matt Duchesne, who is from two, three hours away in Halliburton, not all that far away from this neck of the woods. So again, maybe he didn't want it. Maybe he did, but there were plenty of other options. Ryan O'Reilly, you know, we know they kicked tires there. Now, maybe it wasn't an option. Maybe they could have paid it, paid him to have made it an option. Now, I'm not saying that's the route you needed to go. I am saying in a year where you had to hit on, I don't know, maybe one of the big ticket free agents you, you hit on to have none of them hitting this way. It is, but... It is ridiculous, but to have it be Bertuzzi. And again, the carpet's been rolled out for him. You know, not in the, I guess he didn't get power play time. That's the one thing you would say that maybe he, but. But he's getting power play two time. And in what world would he have expected to have been on power play one? He got the right off the hop, the start with Matthews and Marner. Aren't both of his goals on the power play this season? I thought, I think he got a one at five on five, but he definitely had the one power play goal. The point I'm making is that they have given this guy every opportunity. And I think the part that frustrates me the most is that he is a guy who should score. Both are on the power play. Thank you. He is a guy who should score to be effective, but he's not a guy who has to score every night to be effective. You want him contributing his 25 goals or something in and along there. But if he's not going to give you that, he should have been all in Brad Marchand's kitchen Do last something. night. Do 
something. I, I, it's funny for me to like go back and think of the conversation about him preseason, how cute the stories were about, I oh, looks like a gay man's missing tooth. He has no tape on his stick. He has his skates are flopping yeah. around. You know, that's not as cute anymore when you're like, skating 10 minutes of hockey honestly. game playing next to Ryan Reeves. Like, it's horrible, man. It's horrible. Yeah, he's, okay, say what you will about John Klingberg, and boy, the 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 shift that he was on the ice for the goal against <sighs> was, uh, was a rough one. But at least he is factually playing in these hockey games. He was back on power play one yesterday, and power play, yeah, yeah looked pretty good. At I'd least, say. He, he's he's doing something. There is a utility. There are a lot of things you don't like about Klingberg, but at least there is a utility there that he is proving in some parts of the game. Ryan Reeves, hey, wasn't on the ice for a goal against yesterday. He's fought two guys already this year. <laughs> it's doing something. He it's, yelled at Brad. Okay, I couldn't even finish that one. I was about to say it. Yeah, and, and the narrative has changed on Max Domi, but again, like, it would be nice to get a little more depth scoring on, on a hockey team that yeah is is was not hoping to punt on a, on a third line, but okay, he's been under the microscope this season. All four of those guys, various levels of disappointing this season. Those are the only additions to the team. Those are the biggest moves in Brad Living's brief Toronto Maple Leafs general manager tenure. Tyler Bertuzzi would have killed for the Max Domi Matthew Nyes game. We talk about think about how much credit. And we stopped because it stopped happening pretty much the second that scrum against Montreal happened. But think about how much credit we were ready to give him for dragging Matthews into the fight and making Gio go crazy at 40 years old. We were ready to put all that on him and Reeves. And the team just hasn't shown any of that. So I don't know. Maybe that's also part of their job is to wake guys up and get them going. But for a first-year GM to come in, and I think it has to be said in this part of the conversation – he did check the most important box, re-signing Austin Matthews sure. to a, that, like, like maybe that felt, and I think I think it's fair to say this that whoever the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs was was going to be able to get that deal mm-hmm. done because I think it's pretty safe to say he wanted to be here. Maybe people will believe him now that he has signed the next contract, but that that was the most important job. Got it done before the season started, so I think you do have to give him a big, and it's not just a little one. That is a big tick in mm-hmm. the Brad for Living box. Outside of that, though, I mean, okay, see a part of having Fraser Minton stick around and losing Sam Lafferty for that. I'm not going to lose any sleep over that, but I don't know. Sam Lafferty would be a useful piece for for this team at, at times right now. When you just look at the kind of scoreboard, the checklist, again, Matthews being signed is a massive one. If Nylander has a deal that we're okay with, like, because let's be honest, no one's going to be happy with it. But if Nylander gets signed to a deal that we're okay with, that's probably another massive check in Living's case. But the other thing we have to look for in terms of body of work is those three guys. And so far, the fact that I'm the happiest about Klingberg kind of tells you everything That's I need to know. That's messed up, man. That is messed up. Because I, from the jump, was like, I do not like John Klingberg. But who, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that one was predictable, right? That's the other thing, expectations. Mm-hmm. And I think That's people, true. rightly, despite the nice playoff run that Max Domi had, everybody understood his defensive warts, right? And was not a guy that could play mm-hmm. up the middle, but... Okay, we know we, we kind of got an idea of what Max Domi is. Tyler Bertuzzi, I think, like universally law, universally lauded as as a, as a great acquisition. Especially, I mean, the guaranteed upgrade on Bunting. Mm-hmm. I heard that a lot. It's uh, ten points in the seven games and first round against the uh, Panthers for the Bruins a season ago. It's 
I mean, nobody could have anticipated this, and it's it's early days. It's only ten games, but it's it's stark, man. And it if is he's ugly, and if he's hurt, I guess they can't do it right now. But no, but you're not getting that type of criticism if you're still dealing with something. Like if, if Sheldon Keefe does understand that this is a limited player, and mm, you're I, right, you're right. That's like, a good point. The yeah, post game comments. He's, he's not saying we, we asked him to simplify his game. He was unable to execute that, so we had to make a change. That's, that's fair. Uh, yeah, that's fair. You don't say, that. oh yeah, he's also like on one leg. Yeah, no, man, that's, that's not fair. good point. Yeah. Good point by you. Probably not something you say. Um, Will Levis, some of the hype. Eliminated yesterday? Yeah, just a little bit. I we mean, he had fun. his moments, but he also had moments to win the football game. Instead, it's the Steelers coming away with a victory as they are wont to do in not-so-spectacular fashion. Let's talk to Charles Davis, the NFL on CBS and NFL Network. How's it going, Charles? Going great. How about you guys? Uh, doing very, very well. Uh, you got C.J. Stroud this weekend. You got uh, Texans yep. Bucks. Uh, we saw C.J. Stroud against Bryce Young last week. Uh, we saw Anthony Richardson look like various levels of of good before he went down for the season. Yeah. I mean, Will Levis, what a debut. And then, yeah, yesterday he didn't come up with the big drive. But, I mean, could we be looking at a, a really, really strong draft class? And is it possible that Levis is the best of the bunch being drafted fourth? Yeah, it's, it's funny you bring that up. The, the possibility is definitely there. We are looking at what I think is going to be a strong draft class. And, and I love the, the word used in there with Richardson. And I think it's going to apply for all of them for at least a while, varying right levels of good, you know, cause we saw for the most part, we've seen good out of them. I thought it was interesting last week when Bryce young and CJ Stroud, you know, met Stroud has had much more success in terms of team, some of the individual stuff, et cetera. People were already acting like Bryce Young never should have been drafted. Like, well, why, why didn't we take Bryce Young? I mean, the Carolina Panthers, we should have taken CJ Stroud first. And at the end of the game, Bryce Young leads the last drive and they win it. They're like, oh, that's why we took him number one. So let's give it a little bit of time. Could Will Levis be ultimately the best one out of them? Sure. He's got all the tools. The reason he didn't go in the first round, there were some injuries last year. Uh, some inconsistency in play, which I think he was trying to press because he didn't have the same people around him he had the year before. And, of course, he came back to earth a little bit. I mean, what he did last week, as you, you and, as, as the three of us know, that was off the charts. That'd be like, you know, you dropping me down in center ice with the Leafs, and all of a sudden I'm skating around Austin Matthews. You know, I mean, it's just, it, it, you know, the, the way he hit, big bombs early, big strikes, looking like everything was perfect. And then you play a defense like the Steelers. Yeah, it, things are going to be a little bit different, but obviously the potential is there. He's a good-looking athlete. Yeah, and, you know, obviously anytime you have success early on in your career, it kind of spurns you on. You know, just going back to the point you you made about Bryce Young there, and I, I guess Levis has uh, kind of the flip side of it, of how important was it for, for Young, do you think, to have that game where he can just kind of hold his head yeah, up absolutely. high? And, because, I mean, you know, I, yeah. maybe some of these guys wouldn't have worked out, but I look at a Josh Rosen who just never had that opportunity really, or, you know, guys of, of kind of that ilk. And to for Young to go out there and actually kind of, you know, silence the doubters, maybe silence the doubt in his own mind. I can only imagine what it means for a young quarterback. Yeah, and I think you hit the point at the end there that was something that we probably don't talk about much. Signs the doubt in his own mind. Because as much as these kids and even veterans, right, are going to project confidence and never doubting themselves and all, we're not with them in those quiet moments, are we? Right? And and we as people, 
have that pretty much every day when things don't go quite the way we want them to, or we missed an assignment or, you know, it could be anything. We might have some doubt in our own minds. Everyone has to go through it, especially when you're under the spotlight. And I thought it was massive that that happened. And it was one of the ones, one of my best friends is a Carolina Panthers fan. And he always reports to me about what's going on in the area. And, you know, after about four games, we should have taken CJ Shroud. That's what everyone's screaming. I was like, hmm. Can we give it a little bit of time? There's a reason you took Young number one. I think that if Houston had had the first pick, believe it or not, I think they would have taken Bryce Young number one. But let's just give it some time and and let's let it work. And I said, by the way, when they beat, you're going to beat Houston. And Bryce Young's going to outplay C.J. Stroud, quote, unquote. And everybody's going to go, oh, that's why we took him. And it happened. It was huge for him. It was massive. It was exactly what he needed. Now, does this mean Carolina's going to run off, you know, a five-game, you know? No, not at all. But now he knows, okay, all right, yeah, this is why I went. I think he really, really hit that part. Got to silence it in his own mind as well, even though he was never going to tell anyone he had any doubts. Uh, it's finally happening in week nine. We got, like, a, a the absolute beautiful matchups all day, like starting at 9.30 in the morning in Germany. Dolphins, yeah. Chiefs, and then at 1 o'clock, we got the Ravens and Seahawks. Of course, we got your Bucks texans game, which we're all going to be paying attention to. And then you got yeah, Cowboys, Eagles, Sunday Nighter, Bills, Bengals. It's all happening for us on that. Sunday. You are so nice. You are so nice. <laughs> that's that's a, that's a, we know where the bread's buttered, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, those other that games. That is one of the greatest nice things that has happened. I mean, you know, and, of course, we have your game yeah. as you drop in every other Great matchup going. Hey, let's, and how crazy! How crazy is it for the league? Yeah, that you were able to get Dolphins Chiefs in Germany at nine thirty in the morning, because you know the the ratings almost no matter what you put on at nine thirty, you can't get the same rating, mm-hmm. right? Because people are just not attuned to watching football that hour, jumping in, what have you. Well, if there's ever gonna uh, gonna be a great test case, I think this game is it, isn't it? Yeah. There are going to be people probably setting their clocks for this one, and and that's exactly what the league wanted. And I think I talked about it a little bit last time. The league is needed to do this because when you go over there and you go to Germany, you go to you go to England, and then the matchups you're bringing now, everything the NFL wanted in terms of educating the fans, wanting the fans to care, understanding who's coming over, they have now. You cannot bring over the dregs of the league and win with it anymore. You just can't do it. Will you get good crowds? Of course you will because people like the football. But will they be thrilled with it? Will they support it the same? The answer is no. So you need traditional teams, right? You need teams that they can lock in on, and you need good teams. And, boy, the league hit this one right on this one. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because I've been kind of thinking about that. And, you know, we're, we're really lucky here. Like, we're, we're in Toronto. We have three of the, the big four. But I, I think of it almost like when, you know, UFC will occasionally stage a fight here. And sometimes it's, I find out about it after the fact of, oh, UFC was here this weekend. Interesting. And then I look at the card and it's guys who I haven't heard of. I'm not a big fight fan. But there are those kind of right. crossover people who, you know, you know whoever, like Conor McGregor, whoever the stars of the sport are, that do make even somebody like me kind of go, Oh, that's interesting. They're in town this weekend. Okay, I have yeah. to just be more mindful of it. So yeah, I can only imagine of Tyree Kill and and Mahomes and and everyone there. You know, in terms of the 
takeaways from that game. How concrete do you think they'll be? Because with pretty much every Thursday game and every Europe game, we have the de facto, well, it was a short week. Well, it's in Europe. And, you know, I I don't want to have that. This is a marquee matchup in the conference. This is a game where the Dolphins, quite honestly, need to prove they can do it against a true big boy team. Like, do you think that we can have as concrete reactions from this as we would if it was at one o'clock in Arrowhead or, or down in Hard Rock or whatever we're calling it in Miami now? Yes. The answer is yes. Okay. I'm jumping full body in with you on this one. Absolutely. You you can draw whatever conclusions you want. I know I think Marquez Valdez Gantling was upset that they had to go over there to Germany to play. I don't know how to break it to him or any other player. No one in the league asked you. And no <laughs> one cares. Okay. <laughs> You either get on the plane or don't. Trust me, if he said, you know something, this is the dumbest idea, I'm not going, okay. <laughs> they would have given his uniform to someone else and off they would have gone, all right? Everyone better understand if you're playing in the league, this is going to happen. But your point about how we can mitigate these games because they are short week, because they've gone here, because of, this one is different. You've hit on so many points. Miami, because Miami's been so great this year in so many ways, we love watching them. But the Buffalo game still lingers, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Because totally. Buffalo found a way to slow them down and then blow them away. Like, it wasn't like it went wire to wire and what a heck of a game. It was wire to wire for, what, the first four possessions? Score, score, <laughs> score, score. And then Buffalo said, okay, we got this from here. And beat them by multiple touchdowns. That's huge, okay? Remember, Miami went into Philadelphia, another big contender. And while they showed some heart and some grit and some toughness, Philadelphia won the game. They need Miami. Miami needs to beat someone of that ilk. Well, the defending Super Bowl champions count. Kansas City on the flip side, they may be carrying the trophy, but how many people are feeling like Kansas City right now is that team? And the strange thing is, their defense is playing better than their offense. Yeah, that's and who it. would have ever said that about Kansas City? So that's why this is such a big one. I think you hit the, the nail on the head perfectly for this one. Yeah, uh, Dolphins being outscored 79-37 against those two good teams that they played. The only good teams that they played, unless you think the Chargers are good, which I, I don't necessarily. Uh, and they can put I don't up. Think people, I don't think people are going there. I no. really don't. I think people keep saying, well, the Chargers should be good. Yeah. But every time we get them in a big-time ball game, we don't quite get that. So yeah. I don't think that they're counting. Them, yes. Again, good for the people of Germany that they get this matchup. It is a bummer that we don't get to see Tyreek Hill back at Arrowhead. Um, but uh, yeah, this is, I mean, he's having a ridiculous season. I mean, we talked last week <laughs> about the season A.J. Brown is having. Those two guys, 1-2 in yeah. receiving yards. Tyreek Hill, 1,014. A.J. Brown, 939. Tyreek Hill has 61 catches. A.J. Brown has 60. I mean, I'm going to put you on the spot. Pick one. you got to choose one guy. Who are you taking, Tyreek Hill or A.J. Brown? Can we can we also throw Justin Jefferson in? I know he's hurt, he's but hurt that's now. who I actually yeah. think is the best receiver in the mm. league. So can we include him? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, listen, Justin Jefferson, it's hard for me to, to go against him because I think he's built for the long haul, even though he had the injury. A.J. Brown, we know, is built like a tank, and he just runs you over and beats you up and finds a way to get the football. But Tyreek Hill, I can do anything with him. I really can. I can throw it short. He runs long. I throw it long. He's got it. I throw it across the middle, and he actually goes and gets it. 
You know, he's not one of those guys where we sit there and say, well, there's different times. The only knock you're going to put on him is occasionally he will have a focused drop where he doesn't totally watch the ball the way in or to bounce off his hands to another player. You can't go wrong with any of them. Wow. If I'm on the spot, I think I can go with Hill. I think I'm going to go ultimately with Tyreek Hill if I'm totally on the spot. But Jefferson over the long haul, the way he runs routes, the way he does things. And A.J. Brown just got ticked off and said, if you guys don't start throwing me the ball, I'm taking the ball going home. And they've thrown it to him every game since then. (laughs) And he's getting 125 yards. It's unbelievable. And last, remember when Tyreek Hill mentioned the first year he was with Tua, how accurate Tua was and Mm -hmm. what a great ball he throws. And we all went, oh, my God, blasphemy. You just came from Patrick Mahomes. How (laughs) could you say that? Well, he may have been on to something. Not that I think Tua is better than Mahomes. Mm -hmm. I think Mahomes is, is still the best. But Tua is a pretty darn good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Can't wait for that matchup. But, I mean, honestly, who doesn't want to see if the Buccaneers or Texans can get back to 500? Baker Mayfield, can he get back on track against CJ? Bounce back game for CJ? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's – come on. That 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 should be a standalone game. Listen, listen, the way you guys set it up is so perfect. I was on the plane coming in. I was doing a little bit of work, so occasionally someone might eye it and go, oh, you know, every time when I'm working, the first question – Oh, are you a coach? Every <laughs> single time, all right? It's a lot. And I usually say, no, I'm not. That coaching's hard work. And then I don't say anything else. <laughs> and now they're, like, dying because now they're, like, hold it a minute. And you're supposed to tell me what you do. Yeah. And I usually don't. Yeah. I just keep going. And then finally the person, finally the person leaned and tapped me again on the flight and said, well, if you're not a coach, why are you watching an old game? <laughs> And and I and I said I just looked at the person. I said, I'm doing research. It's like I'm in school and I'm doing research like for a paper. Hmm? And the person was now the person is totally out of whack. Like, <laughs> paper? What? What? What the hell? And then they're like, okay, the hell with this guy. And they were done with me. Not and then they start talking baseball. That was the best part. They're like, God, and we just missed the World Series. We just missed it. This is flying to Houston. We just missed it. And I was like, Houston wasn't in the World oh, Series. Yeah. It was Texas was in the World Series. Yeah. They're in Dallas. <laughs> but I didn't do that. I just kept that to myself. I just said, okay, I'm going to hold on. But oh. a person said, we just missed it. Houston was in Texas. They weren't in the World Series. That was Dallas. Oh, oh d- different I was places. Dead. Yeah. yeah. But they got good barbecue in Houston. I know. My wife's from there. That's a great story. Yeah, I love that. They absolutely have good barbecue. And this game is on a par with Kansas City. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. You guys are the best. I, right. I appreciate that. This is like a stadium series NHL game. Let's do it. That's All right. right. See you, Charles. Thanks as always. You guys take care of yourselves. Be good. You too. This is Charles Davis, NFL on uh, CBS. Also, NFL Network on the call. Bucks, Texans. On Sunday. Also the voice of Madden. He's the uh, he's the analyst on the game. Is that true? I yeah. did not that know true. that. Yeah. I haven't played Madden in many a year. Just bought the new one a couple of days ago. Hold on. Do you, what do you? I have an Xbox. Oh, you do? Yeah. Maybe, have I not? I don't, I don't like to like broadcast it because, you know, I'm a little old and have a job and stuff. But. No, that's okay. That's nah, perfectly acceptable. It is. It It is, but not to me. If that makes sense. Like, it's not the vision of I mean, myself. you did it, though. You yeah, no, bought I, it. Yeah, because it's what I like to do. But I'm I not, like to do it, too. I'm not sitting there from the mountaintops mm-hmm. being like, I love 
video games, mm. guys. Yeah. Again, hey, like I what think you people like. People of I'm our generation, not... and I'm only slightly older than you. I consider yeah, us basically us my the dad. Same... No, you're basically yeah. my dad. No, <laughs> we're the same generation. I think video game culture is like kind of ingrained. Yeah, like I think. Yeah, I, know, I have the I same know. video game sensibilities as you. It's like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with sitting down for 30 minutes, an hour. Yeah, and, and playing a video or game. Definitely, oh my, oh my, definitely. Okay, just wait that. a second. Yeah, definitely. Oh, just wait that a second. Length of time. Oh, wait a second. Yeah. Oh, what are we talking about? I don't know. <laughs> you often ask me why I didn't nap after the show. Mm, maybe we interesting. Upon it. As in, we have a Nintendo Switch at my house because I got young children. They enjoy That's playing coming. that. It's coming. It's coming. There, me. there, there may be a, a, an upgrade at the video game position come Christmas. We'll see. I, my kids are in school. Or I was about to be. I was going to say, I'm like, listening. please, God, do not let them be listening because it's going to be a long couple of months in your house. Yeah. All right, time now for something <laughs> to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. James Harden, officially a member of the Los Angeles Clippers, he has not yet played a game, but did his first media availability. Um, which is which is the real game for him, let's be honest. It's like that's No, the real game will be making his way to the next franchise. After after he makes the Clippers sign him to a kajillion dollar yeah, contract. That's right. That's, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh maybe like pushing whoever they face in the first round of seven games. And then Kawhi gets injured in game seven. You're like, oh Kawhi oh, just Kawhi. stayed healthy. You could have seen them yeah. figuring this thing out and winning. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> first media availability yesterday. Uh, here's the, the big clip that came out of it. When I'm in a leash, I'm not in just shooting the basketball every time. I'm in like, I'm a, I'm a, like, I think the game and I'm a creator on the court. You know what I mean? So if I got a, a, a voice to where I can, hey, coach, I see this. You know, what you think about this? Then it's like, oh, okay. Like somebody that trusts me, that believes in me, that understands me, that I'm just not a, you know, I'm, a, I'm not a system player. I am a system. You know what I mean? So, um, Somebody that, that can have that dialogue with me and understand and, and, and move forward and figure out and make adjustments on the fly throughout the course of games. That's all I really care about. Stop hitting the desk. No, that James. wasn't. That's not that. Uh, that's somebody getting a phone call uh, beside a microphone or something like that. There's that's the uh, stat. I think that's no, what I, I don't think so. I think it was him. Because there's I also the video. A, it was him like hitting the desk. Okay. All right. Because yeah, it, it sounds it sounds like no, it was it was a little too random. Like okay. I know what you're talking you know about. What I'm talking about. It okay. wasn't that. Right. No, it was irritating. He likes all pound, of it. All like, of it was irritating. He likes to pound the rock. He likes to pound <laughs> the desk. I believe the term which I visibly or audibly sighed at and visibly you got to see it. I'm not a system player. I am a system. Which is, you know, that's that's, all fine and good. No, that's that's not incorrect, right? Like that's that Houston Rockets Still? team, that Houston Rockets team oh. that did some incredible things. And boy, if only they could hit water from a boat in the second half, uh, game seven against the Warriors. We're yeah. looking at that era very differently. But that was built entirely around James Harden and isolate. It wasn't beautiful basketball. And Mike D'Antoni. It was very effective, though. So yeah, I do. Like, I get that. But the, the 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 that answer was in response to a question about hey, the differences between hey, why didn't it work out in Philadelphia? And he talked about being on a leash. And Doc it, Rivers, hello. My, my understanding was this had nothing to do with the way he was deployed in Philadelphia. It was all him and Daryl Morey. Now you're telling me that you actually had issues beyond just like Daryl Morey convincing you to factually give away money mm -hmm. and decline an option yeah. and then not engage you in, in extension conversations. Mm -hmm. 
Like it goes beyond that. It was actually the way you were deployed when you were playing alongside the what eventually became the MVP. That's that's a new little wrinkle. Oh, that's there's more complaints than I even understood. So f- just for the I am not a I'm not a system player. I am a system that that may that not may and well that was absolutely true when he was on the Rockets. He's averaging thirty. He averaged thirty thirty six at thirty four a game in in his time here. That was also four years ago. Where you know in his age thirty season was the was the last time he did that I am very loath to do this but if I can explain James Harden's thinking on the matter in a way that might illuminate this all for us I don't think he is bringing this up to complain well no that's a lie he is bringing it up to complain because <laughs> again I am one I know some people just love to complain about things but I also think that part of this is effectively a PSA to the NBA world of, yeah, I was throwing a stink and it was about money. But if you think I forgot how to play basketball because of the last version you saw of me, there's, it wasn't because I was going work to rule or quiet quitting or whatever you want to call it. It's because I was in a system that does not fit me well at all. Now, why it's going to be any different with two other guys who love to have the ball all the time in Paul. Well, Paul George is a little happier to play off the ball, but Kawhi Leonard has the ball all the time when when he's playing. I don't know why it's going to be any different there, but that to me was just him. I don't buy it, but trying to give an explanation for why he looks so bad at the tail end of Philly. That, that's, that's just how I read that part of it. I mean, they had a chance to knock off the Celtics, right, in a game six. I, I'm not saying he's right. I'm just saying that's why he's bringing it up to say that. Yeah, there were moments there where it almost worked. And, he, you know, it's, it is a sliding doors moment. Doc Rivers has had some success, no no question, as a head coach. But, boy, th- there might have been a coach. You want to talk about the difference between, hey, what the impact a, a coach can have mm-hmm. in, in all the sports? And we talked a little bit about it yesterday and and uh, Tori Lovello and yep. uh, him taking all the, the slings and arrows. Yep. And, yeah, baseball can. But, like, over the course of a year, probably not. Right? Uh, definitely not. It's not a football coach. <laughs> I don't know. Better coaching might have been the difference between the Sixers achieving what they wanted to achieve. Maybe not a championship, but like I would have, it would have been interesting to see what that Sixers team looked like with Nick Nurse at the at the controls, and 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 maybe it's the difference this year. But yeah, they're a little diminished without a, a secondary running mate. Although Tyrese Maxey's taking steps all the time, like. Maybe maybe there is a, a, a two-headed monster still there in Philadelphia. Yeah, maybe that's also why they didn't want to move off him in a Kyle Lowry trade and maybe why if they were willing to, it's uh, incredibly sad that that didn't happen and that's one of the great like unknowns, right? Mm-hmm. We still go back and forth of, well, if Maxi was offered, okay, well, it's, it was like four years ago. Can we, can we know now? And the problem is that every single shot Maxi makes, we're farther away from knowing the answer to that. It's like every time he improves a modicum yeah. as a player, no one wants that to see the light of day. Philly would never want it to get out that they would have thought of it. The Raptors would never want it to get out that they had the opportunity for it. So yeah, I, I don't want to, I don't want to overstate what Maxi is. I think he's a really, really nice player. It's just you need a sustained run, and we've seen it with two-headed monsters in the NBA. Like you, you have to be a monster. You cannot be a nice player. I mean, and this is a thousand years ago, but it's like think of all those like Dame and and Lamarcus Aldridge teams where it's like yeah, Lamarcus Aldridge, really nice player, never having a 
chance there. So you need a super stud to be your secondary player. And Maxie's taking strides. Maybe he can become that guy. But yeah, it's I I think the Harden thing. I'm just I'm dying to see how it how it mm. how it plays out in 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 L.A. I just I cannot stray too far. Away when the that. honeymoon exactly is over, I think they'll get to the postseason. I think the yep. offseason will be the time that you really start to hear the squabbling. Well, the thing is, though, is that. And, you know, I suppose you could say it would have worked itself out in in Philly, but those guys are all the same generation of star. Mm -hmm. Like Paul George, I guess he's the youngest, but he feels like wholly a piece of Kawhi Leonard and Russell Westbrook and James Harden. Mm -hmm. I just wonder if they can kind of sort things out themselves. Whereas with Embiid, he is, I mean, he's, he's, a half generation removed or however you want to want to phrase it from Harden. They are different players. They did not come up together. And I just think that's part of it is that there is so much internal respect among those kind of four guys in LA that if any group can make it work, it would be them, but I'm not buying it working long-term, but I think it'll work enough to get them into the playoffs and then they'll have some adversity. Kawhi will get hurt again. Like we already know how the season's going to end. That's the bummer. Well, what would, what stinks hey. is that they're going to have many reasons they could end up losing, but it will just be, we'll go, ah, Kawhi got hurt. But there will be a million reasons why. Yeah, but that'll be the one reason is well, that Kawhi will get hurt. It'll be the one, but also, like, does anyone think that's a championship team? No. I mean, Kawhi single-handedly can do some incredible things. I mean, he can. Did <laughs> If you watch, okay, the entirety of the Raptors postseason run in 2019, the, the seven games against the Philadelphia 76ers, he basically did it on his own. Like, there was yep. nobody, nobody helping him. Nope. There was like Serge Ibaka hit a big three. I was going to say, that was the Serge Ibaka <laughs> three, how dare you. <laughs> That's it. It was, it was Kyle Lowry, Serge, pick and pop, and uh, Kawhi Leonard, and that was effectively it. Yep. Uh, so it'd be as much as it would and Fred hurt. Van, then Fred Van Vliet's child was born. And we yeah, never looked back. That's correct. Yeah. Sig, or, uh, against the Bucks. Uh, yeah. There were some running mates starting in game three. Yeah. All right. When we come back, Blue Jays offseason has started. They've actually made a move already. One in the coaching department, one in player personnel. We'll get to that next as the fan morning show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, the fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Show Sports Center 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Creed coming to Budweiser stage July 30th. Special guest, Big Wreck, Finger 11. We are giving away tickets during today's show to enter for your chance to win. Text today's code word, one last breath to 590-590. Again, that's one last breath to 590-590. If you don't win with us, you can secure your tickets this morning beginning at 10 o'clock on Ticketmaster. Dot ca. It's really more of a code phrase. I'm like not going to quibble, but you're right. A word would work. Yeah, yeah. Don't jam it all together. Like or <laughs> hyphenate a lot it. of those yesterday. Yeah, just it is very amusing to see people with their autocorrect text. It's great. Yeah. All right. One last breath. That's right. One last breath. Five ninety. Five ninety. Um, no breaths left for uh, Whit Merrifield as a Toronto Blue Jay. He is officially. A free agent. I got an applause on the other side of the glass for that, which I thought was like a horrible segue. Oh, but wow. I don't know. Maybe they were just trying to pump me up, but 
They said, what What an incredible actually, segue. I, I got to be honest. I don't want compliments from them now. If that's what they're giving them out for. <laughs> yeah, that's, if that's the bar. Yeah. yeah it's like, yeah. You? Yeah, damning with faint praise. Very All right. Hey, here's the deal. Whit Merrifield had a mutual option for $18 million. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the scenario is <laughs> where Whit Merrifield is making $18 million, even on a one-year deal. Like, I don't... And... and if if the scenario so you should, exists, you should clarify what a mutual option is. I think a lot of okay. You so just it's clarify a, what it is. Right. Baseball's weird contract rules. I mean, we've seen this before. With Jose Bautista yes, had a, a a mutual option. It's you get your key. Yeah. The team gets its key. Yeah. You have to turn your key at the same time. There you go. It's like the 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 contract parameters have to be so perfect. Yes. That you're like, holy, why would we even negotiate? It's right there. It <laughs> makes sense for every. It's so impossible that. Why Any is these, it even an odd? Like, why is it in there? I, I, there have been instances where it's been executed, but it's so rare. Like, again, eighteen million dollars for Whit Merrifield. What is the season that he would have had to have had? Where also, you're like, I'll did, pay eighteen million for Whit Merrifield, did and he then break it, his key, shoving it in the box. Like, <laughs> Whit's like, ah, no, now yeah. I can't turn it because I put it in there. Well, so quick. the Blue Jays did say that both the player and the team declined Ooh. the option. Here's my guess, though, is that Whit Merrifield's like. Yeah, I'm not going to get $18 million from the yeah, Blue Jays. I'll put, my, I'll put my hand down. That's okay. I mean, Whit Merrifield is a pretty good Blue Jay, honestly. Nice, nice after, cog, for sure. After being acquired at the deadline in 2022, he uh, made prorated amount of $7 million last year, made $6.75 this year. There's a, a half a million dollar buyout uh, after the, neither t- uh, side picked up their yes. mutual option. But he... Man, remember going into the season, there was a question about how much he would play. Yeah, and remember when he was the leadoff hitter also? Yeah, he played 145 <laughs> games. He he had almost 600 plate appearances. And, boy, he had moments, uh, and he certainly tailed off at the end as a 34-year-old player is wants to do. But he hit 272. He hit 11 home runs. He played cromulent defense at second base and, and left field. And now he's going to depart into the ether. But I would just say, in an overall sense, like, that was – a trade that was derided at the time a little bit, maybe not so much about like the fact that they acquired Whit Merrifield, who was having a down year in Kansas City, was that yeah. they didn't get the thing that they so obviously needed, which that was, was more swing and miss out of the bullpen. That was it in in twenty twenty two. But no, that was a hit. Like if, you, if you're going yeah. down the track, the the list of pros and cons, the, Ross did a good. He, Give him some credit, people. But now he's going to go on his merry way. He was an, also an all star. See, that was better than whatever you got that credit for. Not I know, They're but not it was better. For that one, See, now. I know. This is why I am the true arbiter <laughs> of what deserves applause. Anyway, so he's gone. So it's all started. Like we're going to see all these coming up in yep. the in the next few days. The next one we're going to see is Matt Chapman's going to be offered the qualifying offer of north Man, of twenty you, million how bucks. How do you know all this? You're so smart, Benny. Yeah. yeah, it's just pretty. Obvious. And I know he's gonna decline it. Um, I I guess baseball, baseball man. I, I guess somebody's gonna give Matt Chapman multiple years at it's term. I guess, but holy cow, who watched the Matt Chapman oeuvre yeah. in 2023 and is like, sign me up for a half decade well, of that? Daniele and I had been drawing the uh, the direct line to San Francisco because when the Giants came here, he was basically on the team. He was just hanging out with them all the time mm-hmm. on the uh, during batting practice and stuff. But Yankees then, need a third baseman. Well, I was going to say, then they probably saw the back half of the season and maybe they feel a little differently about that. I I, I guess somebody's going to have the... He's like, got score, Scott Boris who's going to convince somebody... Oh, the that, finger injury, it's like... 
he didn't even have a hand the second half of the season. And we've obviously seen Matt Chapman at his best. Player of the month. Yeah. Hey, if... if, Which month? (laughs) Don't worry about it. It's player of the month. It is funny how that happens, right? Like, if it wasn't April, if it was September, that that Matt Chapman looked outrageous. Would have made himself $60 million. Instead. (laughs) and, And also, the overall numbers were not horrible for a guy that plays or is capable of playing yeah. elite defense at, at a premium position in third base, you're like, yeah, you can take that. But if you watch the season, you know the reality of what was one of the craziest seasons I can remember in Blue Jays history where that guy was out of control in April to a degree I've yeah. never seen. Mm-hmm. And the amount of doubles that he finished with, yeah. like, and the percentage of which that existed in that one month, the first of the regular season, and then proceeded to be one of the worst Qualified hitters in Major League Baseball for the next five months was crazy. Who they could not hide. Barker brought this up all the time in the last, like, month and change of the season. It didn't matter where they put him in the order. Guys were, or he was always coming up with guys on base. And that's just, like, that's not his fault. I mean, it's his fault he didn't get any knocks with guys on base. But that was the worst part of it. Him and Dalton Varsho. It really did, like, it was, it, it was perfectly created in a lab to highlight how bad the offense or how bad the back half or again, the non April months of his season were. Cause it felt like every time he came up, there were, there were ducks on the punt. Yeah. Again, like counting stats. So OPS seven fifty seven in 2022 and he kind of came on late in the season, but had 27 home runs, seven fifty five. So only two points less in, in OPS a season ago, but 10 fewer homers. And again, all of, all of the offensive value created in the first month of the season. He was awful outside Nuts. of that. And honestly, I would I would say the defense slipped as well. Uh, Big not, time. not something that I would have necessarily said in 2022. I did think he got yeah, a, a, hand an un- injury that people shake. point to. Yeah, but that was later in the in the year. Uh, I know. Anyways, so he's likely gone. Uh when Merrifield's gone, as is Dave Hudgens, who you may recall from such <laughs> tweets as four minutes before the game, responding to somebody who was tweeting about Chuck Schumer. He's the hitting strategist. So he was the guy that was telling the Blue Jays not to hit the home runs or to hit at home. So, and I say gone, by which I mean not on the major league staff, but not fired. So somewhere he's being reassigned within the organization. So Twitter strategist. I would love to know what Dave Hudgens is doing that is so incredibly valuable that one, you could survive... I mean, it wasn't the worst thing no. in the world as far as the the content body no. of the tweet, but the fact that it came four minutes before first pitch. No, there was nothing wrong with Pablo <laughs> Sandoval liking Instagram pictures. Dude, that was honestly He just did it in the, the middle best. of a game. <laughs> that was the best. It really was. Um, but yeah, what is Dave Hudgens bringing to the table that he, he gets to keep a job? He's the hitting strategist. State secrets that they don't want out? Like, honestly, it feels like... It feels like something you would do to keep, and this, like, I don't think this is what's happening because I don't think there's something nefarious at play. But if you do not have a job for a person and you're going to just keep them on the payroll, it seems like you need to keep them under your thumb or they have some insight to offer. But if they have the insight to offer, wouldn't you just give them a job to do? And and maybe this is all come out in a restructuring. Like we don't know, not that there's going to be some big front office restructuring or Mm -hmm. anything like that, but you know, teams do this from time to time. They want to talk about their process. Maybe I'm just spitballing here and this is not the person I put in charge of this, but they talked a lot about communication and the way plans are communicated. Maybe yeah. he goes into some role overseeing that. Well, or but something. that's that's I, th- I think Which that was would his be a job. Problem. No, that was his job during the regular season. The guy that conveys the analytical right. information to the players. He's 
in uniform. He's in the dugout. He's the hitting strategist. He talks to the eggheads. Well, then can we get really conspiracy theory about it? Okay. He's the one who pushed the button. He's the one who told them the front office wants wants Kikuchi to come in for Berea. Like, yeah, well, but he's get... the hitting strategist, no, so no, he's no, not on the pitching side of things. No, but just if, if we're going to get super conspiracy theory about it, it was a uniformed team employee. Mm. I don't know. Spitballing. Yeah, I think the the more likely scenario is that, yeah, one, they were off put by the tweet thing and also that the offense was lousy and, and not that he was the the full embodiment of it. But uh-huh. and I would I wonder if Guillermo Martinez is going to be next on the but chopping what's blocks. he still doing here? I don't that know. Was, that's that's, I don't, that's I, where conspiracy theories get to run rampant. Yeah, no, and, and you're well within your rights to do so. Thank you. Uh, time now for the Wake and Rake. Presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. Week nine in the NFL. We already talked to Charles Davis. Man, it gets uh, it gets started nice and early, and mm-hmm. it gets started with what might be the game of the week. Dolphins, Chiefs in Germany. The Chiefs are the quote-unquote home team, so... Mm. They don't get the, the the boost of being at a loud arrowhead, but they are still the favorites in this game despite just losing to the Denver Broncos. But Patrick Mahomes, he is a sick, sick mm-hmm. puppy. Yep. Uh, they're a point and a half favorite against the Dolphins team that has beaten nobody. And the only good teams that they've played, they've gotten smoked in. And by which I mean given up a bunch of points to the Bills and Eagles, but also not scored a bunch of points. And the Chiefs, their hallmark is they got Patrick Mahomes. Yep. Yep. They got Travis Kelsey, but they got a great, great defense. I love, 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 love the Chiefs in this game, and I love how high this total is, 51. Give me the under. Give me the Chiefs. The under scares me. Uh, I don't disagree with the way you look at this game, but the Dolphins are just capable of too much, and games get weird when they are on Thursdays or in other parts of the world. Aren't they generally lower scoring, though? They have typically been, but... It just takes one person to take their eye off Tyreek Hill for one second, two times in the under in jeopardy is kind of the way that works. So I'm not going to go with you on the, the under there. I will take the, the chiefs. This is, this is more of a, I can't stand the dolphins that I'm totally buying the, the chiefs. Not that they're not great. I just don't know that they are clear and clear as day, the best team in that, that conference or the league, but yeah, give me the chiefs to cover. I'm with you there. Uh, elsewhere, so it, it's it's just like a, a beautiful slate of games. So as, good. It's like each and every time slot, there is a, a, a great game. Uh, but let's skip ahead to the 425 game between the Cowboys and the Eagles looking at the NFC East. Mm-hmm. And you may say, wow, the Eagles are running away with that division. Okay, they haven't played the Cowboys yet. And it, honestly, like if you look at their slate that they've played, I mean, that, that, that win against the Dolphins, clearly their best win of the season. They've already lost to... A pretty crappy Jets mm-hmm. team. I think we can all agree there's there's not a lot of impressive wins. This is a huge, huge test for them against a Cowboys team that went one and one against them a season ago. The Eagles are three-point favorites at home. I got to say, I like the visiting Cowboys who look like they've responded well after getting blown out by the Niners. The Cowboys have responded really well. You have to tip your cap to them. The Eagles are the only football team I'm sure of in the league, though. Uh, the Cowboys, they've made strides. The Eagles are far from perfect, but they're the best football machine we got. They're at home. They're going to cover. The, the money line, it's uh, it's just a little too too much you're paying there. So give me the three points, uh, minus 110. I'm going Eagles. 
All right. And then uh, Sunday Night Football has the Buffalo Bills, the beleaguered Buffalo mm-hmm. Bills, who are just looking for another signature win to, to put up next to that uh, Dolphins beatdown. They go into Cincinnati to play a Bengals team that summarily dismissed them from mm-hmm. the postseason in Buffalo last season, but this one in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow looking like himself against the 49ers last week. The Bengals only point and a half favorite in this one. To me, I have no problem laying that small amount of wood on a Bengals team that looks like they're returning to the form that puts them like only slight beliefs in the AFC packing order. Yeah, I haven't seen anything from the Bills to make me think they're anything other than what they've shown this year. And the Bengals have actually changed my mind about some things based on their play the past couple of weeks. I'm buying this Bengals team. I'm in on them. I'm following you there. I just put in a bet uh, last week for the uh, on the Bengals to win that division. So I am all in on the Bengals. Uh, yeah, so give me the Bengals and give me the points. That was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local when we come back. Craig Simpson on the call of yesterday's great, great game between the Leafs and Bruins. He of Hockey Night in Canada joins us next. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.